Welcome to the Highway Church Podcast. We're excited for you to join us today. To find out more about us, visit highway.com.au. Right, so I want to talk to you about something that God's been speaking to me about for a few months now, and that's obedient faith. That's keeping your faith obedient to trusting in God. To trusting God in the little promises he gives you. I'm not talking about the big promises, not the ones that only God can do. I'm talking about when he promises you something that you think you can do yourself. Something that you can see which is within your grasp. You know, I'm talking about fighting the desire and the temptation to take God's promises by your own means. Silencing that pride that wants to rely on yourself and not God. See, what we're actually doing when we try and do that is we're trying to take glory from God and put it onto ourselves. And what should have been a moment that blew us away in awe for God and his ways becomes a moment of self-praise. What should have added to our faith and our testimony ends up growing the idea that we don't need God. So going back a few years, I was working in construction interstate. A job that saw me home maybe six weeks of the year. God had found me the year before and the Holy Spirit had been working on my life since. He'd been poking and picking at all the little things, little attitude adjustments, little lifestyle changes, but then it came to a big change. See, it came, the Holy Spirit put on my heart that I had to quit my job to move back home, to come to this church every Sunday and to do Bible college the next year. But I didn't want to do it. (laughs) See, I argued with God with this one. I tried to compromise with God for this one. You know, my heart wanted to follow God, but my own understanding said this this was a mistake. See, I was torn between my desire to follow God and my desire to trust my own wisdom. But I just had to do it. So I would see the contract I was on out, but then I was gone. Two months later, we finished the job. And I'm packed. I'm ready to go. I leave from site. I start the drive home. We were working down in Victoria, so it was an 18-hour drive home. But on a bush highway that night while I'm driving, I'm talking. I've got my internal dialogue, and I'm just, what have I done? Everything I've worked for over the past how many years, I've just thrown away. What have I done? What am I going to do? What, am I go- what, what sort of jobs am I going to apply for? What, what's my life look like now? But see then, while, while I'm having this dialogue, this God comes and puts his word on my heart. Just so strong, such a foreign idea that it had to be God. He said, don't look for work for two weeks. Really, God? I've just thrown away everything I've been working for. I've just thrown away my life to follow you. And now you're telling me to wait? You know, I grew up in Housing Commission. I've seen what it looks like to look for work for months and years on end. Just the idea of this scared me. But like before, I felt like I just had to do it because there was this feeling that came with it. This feeling that God wasn't just saying, 
wait for two weeks. He was saying, wait for two weeks and then you will know that it is me that has been talking to you. See, I doubted whether God was the one that told me to leave my job. I doubted whether God was the one that had been speaking to me or whether I was just crazy. But I knew I had to do it, so I agreed to do it and this peace fell over me. But that didn't make the two weeks easy. Every day, I took so much willpower to not start looking for work. Every day, I had to fight my own wisdom, my own understanding to not look for work. Come to the end of the two weeks, and I'm sitting here up the back next to Pastor Steve. (laughs) And I get a missed call during the service. See, I'm still, this is my third week at this church by myself, and I'm still leaving during the last song, because I don't want to talk to anyone. I don't... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> anyway, I get to my car and I'm looking at my phone and I just know I've got to call this number back. So I do it and this man answers. A man that I've never met, a man I've never spoken to. He's calling to offer me a job. See, he goes to a different church, but he had heard in a passing conversation that I had moved back home. And that I was looking for work. So he'd got my details and he was calling to offer me a job. A man I didn't know called to give me a job I didn't apply for two weeks after God told me to wait. And I didn't know this then, but it was a perfect fit for what God had planned for the next few years of my life. See, without that job, I couldn't have done Bible college. Without that job, I couldn't have done internship. See, I could have missed the opportunity God was presenting me if I had chosen to trust my own understanding instead of God's. And I want to show you a few examples from the Word that I think highlight what I'm trying to say here. See, even though these people were chosen by God to play a part in His plan, their decision, while it didn't stop God's plan, affected them and the lives of people around them. So you want to start with Abram. Genesis 15 We find Abram, he's been obedient to God so far. He's left his homeland, he's left his family. And God reiterates a promise that he made to him when he first called him, that he's going to give him offspring, he's going to make his offspring like the stars in the sky. But then we come to Genesis 16, we find it's been 10 years since God first promised this. Ten years of waiting for God to bring a promise about in his life. The thing that he wants most, an heir. Ten years he's been waiting. And after ten years, he and his wife, Sarai, shift their faith to their own understanding and make their own plans. See, in verses 1 and 2, we see now Sarai, Abram's wife, had bore him no children. But she had an Egyptian slave named Hagar. She said to Abram, the Lord has kept me from having children. Go sleep with my slave. Perhaps I can build a family through her. Abram agreed to what Sarai had said. See, God had a plan for Abram's life. For him to be the father of many, but first he has to become the father of one. You know, he can see that first step within his grasp. And after waiting for 10 years, he decides that he's going to go after this promise that God has made his own way. He shifts his faith from God to his own understanding, to his own perspective. 
And he attempts to take something that would have been for God's glory by God's means and turns it and takes it by his own means. You know, the result is that he has a son to Hagar, Ishmael. And he asks God and God honors Abraham and he blesses Ishmael even though it wasn't the son that he promised. But see, the difference is Ishmael is going to be the father of a nation, but this nation is going to be in conflict with God's people. Then God makes another covenant with Abram, changes his name, and promises to bring a son through his wife. Then if we move on to Moses in Numbers 20, the Israelites are on their last year wandering in the wilderness. You know, Moses has led them faithfully this far. But yet again, they're complaining about not having water. So Moses turns to God. He falls face down and he asks God for help. Just want to stop. What would it be like if that's how we treated every problem? What would it look like if we decided that when we had a problem, the first thing we would do would stop, humble ourselves and ask God for help? So God tells him to take the staff from his presence, gather the people and speak to a rock and water will flow from it. If you're familiar with the journey so far, you'll know that this has happened before, except God told him to strike the rock. But this time it's to speak to the rock. So Moses takes the staff, he gathers the people. And then in verse 11, Moses raises his arm. And struck the rock twice with his staff. Water gushed out in the community and their livestock drank. See, he struck the rock. God gave him specific directions to speak to the rock, but instead he struck the rock. I'd love to know what he was thinking, whether he was thought he had misheard God, or whether he thought God had misspoken, but what I'm sure we can know is that he shifted his faith from what God had said to what he had known to have worked before. See, what he did was he took the glory and honor away from God. And God's response in verse 12, the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, because you did not trust me enough to honor me as holy in the sight of the Israelites, you will not bring the community into the land I give them. See, God still honored his promise to Moses to bring the water out of the rock. But even though Moses did it his own way, he still brought the water. But see, this cost Moses... Now Moses wouldn't see the promised land. And I don't know why God wanted to do it a different way this time. You know, perhaps it was just meant to be a reminder to Moses and the Israelites that God isn't limited. Just because he does something one way doesn't mean he's going to do it the same way again. What we can know is that whatever God was trying to do, whatever the reason, Moses took that from the Israelites. See, I start to see this pattern where God has a plan and he has a will and he involves a human, one of us, because that's what he wants. He wants to involve us. God wants to do it with you. It's not that he needs you. See, it's not that God needs you to make it happen. It's that God doesn't want to do it without you. See, we get a part of this plan, we get a promise, and then this temptation comes in to take it our own way. 
See, wanting to see God's promise come to pass isn't the problem. No, the problem is that our faith is on ourselves. We think we know the better way. See, when we take God's promise and we put faith in our own plan instead of his, we are attempting, even unintentionally, even with good intentions, to take glory from him. See, I'm bad for this in the day-to-day. I'm always looking for a better way to do things, always looking for a quicker way, a faster way, a more productive way, which is good when you know what you're doing. But I'm sure if there's any tradesman in here that's had an apprentice before, when you leave, an, you leave this apprentice with a job, a simple job, something you've shown them how to do, something you've explained to them, and you come back and their six months of experience far outweighs your 10 years. See, they have worked out a better way. They've worked out how to do this a way that you couldn't have ever imagined. But see, they don't have the full picture. They don't know the full process. And that ends up costing for the rest of the job. See, I'm not trying to say, do what you're told or God is going to punish you. So that's not what I believe. What I'm trying to do is highlight the next part of the pattern. And that is that we're not the only ones that miss out. See, when we choose to take things on to ourselves, when we choose to not allow God to fulfill his own promise, we are taking blessings away from other people. See, if we look back at the Israelites, they are the ones that were in conflict and still are in conflict. If we look at the Israelites, they are the ones that didn't see what God was trying to do. See, it may cost us something, but ultimately it costs others as well. And see, God still honors his promise. Despite us polluting it with our own methods, God will still honor his promise. He still brought a nations from Abraham. He still brought water out of the rock. God's plan still happens. It's ours and others' roles that get affected. Now we come to Jerusalem, the promised land where the nation that came from Abram is living. You know, God has kept all his promises. He has stayed faithful to the Israelites, but they have not remained faithful to him. So God sent his son Jesus, holy God, but still holy man. He faced every temptation that we will face, including that of wanting to change his father's plan. See, in Matthew 26, in the garden of Gethsemane, he pleads with God the father to change his plan, heading into the garden with his three closest disciples. In verse 38, he said to them, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. Jesus is freaking out. He knows what he's about to do as part of God's plan. And he wants out. But then in verse 39, we see going a little further, he fell with his face to the ground and prayed. My father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me. Yet not as I will, but as you will. Three times he prays this. Every time finishing with a perfect example of obedience, even though Jesus wanted another way, even though this distressed him so much, still not as I will, but as you will. See, Jesus is the one whose body was broken. Jesus is the one who paid the price for our disobedience, and God wasn't surprised. See, this was always the plan. God chose to create us knowing that he would have to do this. 
See, God knew before he created us that he would die on the cross just so that you and I could have a chance to be a part of his plan. See, God's plan spans all time, and he wants you to be a part of it. So don't we owe it to him to trust him? Don't we owe it to the people in our lives to trust God? See, he knows the whole plan start to finish, not just the little moment we see. Doesn't it make more logical sense to trust him? See, I found myself at a crossroads where I had a choice to put my faith in God or on my own perspective. Now, I chose without even fully understanding what I was doing to make my faith obedient to trust in God. See, your faith is like a muscle. If you stay disciplined, if you use it right, if you train it properly, it will serve you well, it will get strong, but if you train it the wrong way, if you use it wrong, it's going to cause you nothing but problems. And tonight I pray that we would be a people of obedient faith, never allowing it to stray from the one who truly deserves it. Having a faith that grows every day stronger, keeping us in line with God and his will. Thanks, Dan. Thanks, Dan. By the way, Dan's, we call him Big Dan around here, just so you know. I'm Medium Dan, and we have a smaller Dan as well. So we also have an, a Dan XL, so extra large Dan, but we'll talk about that later. But such a good word. Thank you, Dan, for that obedient faith. I hope that spoke to us. I love that idea because Dan, you have to know something about Dan. Dan is one of the hardest working people I've ever met in my entire life. Um, he will be working from literally 4 a.m. till 12, 1 a.m. at youth the next day. And for everything that Dan's just said, let me just put it down like this. It would have been, I can see how painful it would have been for him not to trust in his own instinct in that situation. And I think the reality is we all find ourselves in situations where it's painful for us not to trust our own instinct. And the verse that rings to mind for me anyway is Proverbs 3, 5 to 6, which is trust in the Lord with all your heart, lean not on your own understanding, in all your ways, submit to Him. That's the hard part. We like it all the way up into the submit to Him. We don't like that word in this culture that we live in. As soon as you say the word submit, it is like the conversation is over, it's done, it's over. But what about when we submit the possibility that God wants to work in ulterior ways than what we had in mind. Just like Daniel, who had to submit his understanding to God. And this is the thing. It's either we get to a place where we can submit our understanding to God and go, well, I'm going to go God's way, or life will force us into a place where the only thing we can go for is God's understanding. It's better to get into the habit, to get into the place in your faith where you're consistently submitting your understanding to God. And then when those moments come where you don't have the understanding, where's the first place you turn? To God. That's the repetition. That's the faith that's built in through the faith journey. And I love that, those simple things about, you know, Moses and Abram. Abram uh, had a son, Ishmael. And then he had a son named Isaac. Isaac was the grace of God. I love that God said, it's all right. You try to fix it with your understanding, but you're going to still have the nation. You see, Abram's promise followed him everywhere. 
God said, look up, in the, look up in the sky and count the number of stars. That's how many descendants you will have. The fact of the matter is, is that Abram's promise followed him well before he even realized it. And the same thing for us tonight is that God's promise follows us. And even if we try to do it in our own strength at times, which we all have, every single one of us, God's grace covers. God's grace is enough. Moses striking the rock. That was Moses doing his best to lead a people. A little bit of insecurity, a little bit of, you know, wanting to make it happen in that moment. But God still brought water from the rock. That's God's grace. That's God's grace in that moment. And we look to that scripture where God isn't, and you may say, well, He didn't get into the promised land. This wasn't about God forcing Moses out of the promised land. This was about Moses forcing himself out of the promised land. That's the reality. It's not God saying, this is the punishment for you not obeying me. It's God saying, if you can't go on the journey of faith, then you won't be able to enter into the promises. And I think everyone in this room tonight wants to enter into the promises. Then let's start small. Let's start in the small things in life. Sometimes we, we look to the big things and we, you know, we want to start there. But anyone who's done any you know, physical training or fitness training knows that you can't just go and run a 25-kilometer marathon. You will break down and you will drop and you will be dehydrated and who knows, a hospital visit might be needed. But if you can start running a kilometer and then two and then three and then four, you're, you will be building up your resilience. And that's all we're talking about tonight is that obedient faith may look boring, but obedient faith is powerful when it's placed in the hands of God. Obedient faith to anything else other than God is boring. But obedient faith to God, when it's placed in His hands, He can do great things with obedient faith. He can do great things with simple faith. Let's not overcomplicate what God is trying to do in us. But let's, let's, let's dive into everything that He has for us. I'm not saying tonight, and we're not saying tonight, that we should you know, seek God in every single decision. What I am saying is that when we feel the nudge of God, that we lean into that and that we go, because sometimes we don't, we don't allow God the space to enter in because we're afraid of the answer He might give. Even in the small things, we'll be like, I know what to do. And then God will start to say something and we'll start to feel it in our heart. We go, no, I know what to do. We've got our blinkers on. But what would happen if we chose to say, God, I'm opening myself up, even though I think I know what to do here, even though I think I've got it all in my own strength, even though I feel like I'm, I'm good enough to do this by myself, what would happen if I opened up and allowed God in? The reality is life will force us into a situation where we have to open up to either lean in or lean fully out. Let's be people that have created the habit of leaning into God and everything that He has for us. See, leaning on our own understanding like Moses will leave us wondering. It'll leave us wondering because there will be moments where we don't have the understanding at all. But leaning into God will leave us in wonder. It'll leave us with, in the wonder of what He is doing through and in our faith. Although it seems small, although it seems boring. And this is something that we can just overlook or this is something that we can apply in the moment. So I've got some questions from tonight's message. The first one is, what questions are you asking God that you think you already know the answer to? Because we're trying to fill the space. What would happen if we allowed God the space to speak into those questions without our answers? That would be a scary place to go. 
What understanding do you need to let go of? What understanding are you going to lean into? And when was the last time you decided to take your faith on a journey? Because that's what we're talking about, this faith journey. What do I mean by journey? I'm talking about the faith story of your life. You know, we can roll into 2021. We can come from 2020 or, you know, 1990, and we can be living with the same faith that we all started with, but our faith needs to build and build and build. I always explain it to the youth team like this. We can believe for 1,000 young people to be saved on a Friday night, but we need to start with believing that one young person can get saved on a Friday night. I can't go for 1,000 until I can believe for the one. And sometimes what happens is we get disappointed because we believe where our faith is not ready to take us. But let's start small and take our faith on that journey. And let's look for those little details because these were small details in the scheme of things. Moses striking the rock, you know, Abram doing what he could do. Small details. And like Dan was talking about, the apprentices and the people who don't know at all always find those small details. But let's give those details of our life to Him. Let's lean out of our understanding and lean into His. And let's see what happens this year. Maybe you need to take a risk. Good. Let's do it. Maybe you just need to continue. That's genuinely what you feel, God. Good. Continue. Sometimes continuing is hard. Sometimes just battening down, saying, no, I know this is what God's great. Then do that and do it well. See, life is meant to be something of a journey. And God is always willing to take us on the journey. We just aren't willing to always be on it with Him. Let's be people that live in obedient faith. Let's be people who submit our ways to Him, even if it's painful. Submit it. Submit it. If we feel like we're constantly hitting our heads against the wall, then submit. Maybe, can I put forward that we might be time to submit our ways to Him? We feel like we're stuck. See, the truth is, nobody in this room is waiting on God. He's waiting on us. How, how often do we hear that phrase? It's waiting on God to do this and waiting on God. No, <laughs> He's waiting on us. Let's be people that have our eyes directly on Jesus, that live from the grace that He's provided us. Because the reality is each and every one of us have been like Moses, have been like Abram, and we've tried to fix things in our own strength. But God's grace has covered us. us. And that's the beautiful thing. God's grace is good enough. Let's not waste it. Let's learn and let's implement that tonight. Let me pray. Dear Lord and Heavenly Father, I just pray right now in this atmosphere that God, the basics of what it is to live on the journey of faith would become so real that Father God, nobody in this room has graduated from this truth, that we are to live lives, Lord, that are obedient in our faith to you. That, Father God, you would bring out right now that one thing, maybe that one thing that we need to submit to you again, that we acted in the moment, but Father God, we need to go back to that thing and we need to bring it to you and we need to give you the space to reply. We need to pray about it. We need to lean into your ways, Father God, and then we need to act on it. 
Father God, I thank you that your grace has covered each and every one of us for those moments where we've decided to go on, on our own. But I thank you, Lord, that you're a saviour who continues to pursue us and who continues to usher us into this journey called life. So Lord, let 2021 be a year like no other. Let it be a year of risk-taking and adventure and wonder around what you're going to do. In your holy name, speak to us this week. Help us to apply this week. Help us to ask these questions this week. Humble ourselves this week and do exactly what you've told us to do. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Can we please give it up for Dan this tonight? <laughs>